Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. Um, Those who are joining us online, I want to encourage you to click, like, and share this message as as we go out. Uh, My name is Rick Thompson. Um, We're in a brand new series that we are calling Too Blessed to be Stressed. Too Blessed to be Stressed. Did we enjoy the last series? All right. Well, we're going to gear up for a new one. And in this series, we're kind of acknowledging the fact that many of us go through periods of stress in our lives. I mean, who doesn't? We're just coming out of a stressful period. Had a, we had a wedding here yesterday, and, it was a, and then we had a, a, a reception, and it was an outside reception. Yes, and the wedding was beautiful, and I love the fact that, you know, we're not all wearing masks every, everywhere we go, and the outside was beautiful, set up beautifully. And they asked me to pray Right before the dinner, everything was set up outside. They asked me to pray, and I said, I, I said um, well, I hope I'm not speaking too soon on this one, but it hadn't rained all day, and there was supposed to be a 100% chance of rain. And I said, somebody's got friends in high places. And no sooner did I say amen. <laughs> Talk about it's stressful when you're having a wedding and you have all these people, and it's an outside wedding. Oh, my goodness. Well, the wedding was actually inside. The reception was outside. But it was a great time anyway because you know what they did? They were all just dancing in the rain. <laughs> they were doing their thing in the rain. Um, kind of reminded me of something that a scientist said, a professor. He was giving out his curriculum for the year, and he said to his students uh, uh, after he was handing out all this work and they had this dismayed look on their faces, and he says, listen, don't stress. Some rocks become diamonds under pressure. To which one of his students responded, well, what about the other rocks that don't become diamonds? And the scientist says, oh, they turn to dust. <laughs> now, there are some people when it, in regard to stress is they stress about their stress before even stress happens. They stress about their stress even before stress. Don't raise your hand, okay? But there are people like that. And today and over the next few weeks leading up to Easter, we encourage you to invite your friends and your family to our Easter room, because we're, we're talking about this subject of stress and dealing with it, but we're going to figure out how not, not, not how not to eliminate stress, that would be impossible, but how to make it turn us into a diamond and not dust. Come on, somebody. I don't want to turn into dust under the stress that's around us. I want to be a beautiful diamond. That's the subtitle of this morning's message, diamonds or dust? Diamonds or dust, and is it possible to control the process to ensure that we come out as diamonds and not crushed by the stress that's around us into dust. And I believe it is. I believe the scripture has a lot to say on this particular subject. In James chapter 1 verse 2, kind of gives us an outline. He says, dear brothers and sisters, help me out somebody. When troubles of any kind come your way. Now, before I go any further, does it say when or does it, does it say if or does it say when? Implying that what? They will. That it's going to come your way. I don't wish it on anybody, but I know that factually speaking, trouble, troublesome situations will come our way. So he says, when troubles of any kind come your way, but then he says something that's 
totally kind of blows your mind. He says, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for what? What? Now, show of hands, how many when trouble comes your way, you consider it an opportunity for great joy? <laughs> oh, yes, I'm having trouble paying the bills. I'm so happy. My car broke down. Oh, my, it's raining on my, on my wedding day. Oh, <laughs> listen, they had great joy because they were dancing in the rain. They, they, they certainly did. They made the, the best of it. But is it possible that when trouble comes your way to, to, to have it turn out or have that mindset where, where you flip it to an opportunity for great joy? Well, he tells us how. He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now, one translation uses the word for the, substitutes the word perfect for mature, because no one is perfect. But we can be mature in the the things of the Lord, right? Amen? Are you out there? Needing nothing. So this appears to have an outline for the believer to turn our tests into testimonies. To, 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 to take the message that we make out of our lives and to turn it into a beautiful message. Anyone ever hear somebody who the enemy is just attacked, 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 and then God gets a hold of their heart and, and their mess of a life turns into a beautiful message for the Lord. Amen? Even a masterpiece for the Lord. And James says, when troubles come our way, it's an opportunity for great joy. And I want you to write this down. It's your first fill-in. Because tested faith equals endurance and growth. And over time, that will turn into maturity. Tested faith equals endurance and growth, and over time, it turns into maturity. If you don't have an outline, I'm going to encourage you to follow along. Raise your hand. If you are following along digitally, we have a little thing in the, in, in the pews where you can just click on that thing, scan on it, and it will pop up in your phone. Yes, we have taken a giant leap into the 21st century. Tested faith equals endurance. And growth, and over time, that turns into maturity. And the Bible says, needing nothing. Again, we see this in real time in reverse. Because prior to COVID, one of the things I used to do was play softball. I was out there several times a year. Many of us were out there running around the bases. Me as an old man doing my thing, right? Uh, And keeping up. Well, after COVID and sitting, sitting down for last year and a half, two years, I'm having trouble climbing steps, going around the block. Why? Because in reverse, I haven't been using those muscles. I haven't been testing those things, and therefore my endurance has re- reduced. What's the solution to getting stronger? Turn to somebody and say, got to keep moving. You got to work it out. Amen? Well, that's the same thing concerning our faith. It has to be tested in order for it to grow. It has to be tested in order for us to get Stronger. That's how over time we become diamonds and not dust, one of the ways. But are we just talking about having faith in faith? Because there's a lot of things out there that say, you know, just have faith, just have enough faith to move forward. And I want to suggest to you today that as it, as it relates to dealing with the stresses in our lives, if we're going to walk in the blessings that God has for us, it's not faith in faith that I'm talking about. It's faith in God. 
Come on, somebody. It's faith in the knowledge that God has not abandoned us to our situation, our circumstances, that the very hairs in our heads are numbered according to what he, what, what he says, and that he, he will work out whatever situation or circumstances you're in for, his, for your good and for his glory. Does that make sense? So it's not faith in faith. It's faith in God to see us through it. Now, I didn't say it. Jesus said it in John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, I told you all this so that you may have peace. Where? In me. me. Here on this earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because he says, I have overcome this world. In this world, we're going to have many trials and, and many sorrows, the scripture says, but it tells us where we should put our faith in and where the peace comes from. Peace is found, write this down, by putting our faith in Jesus. In Jesus. Now, let me tell you, it doesn't, where, it says, where it doesn't say to put your faith. It's not in Muhammad. We heard that last week. It's not in Buddha. It's not in Confucius. It's not in Joseph Smith or Brigham Young or, or the God within that, that Oprah was teaching us to, 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 to look toward. It's found in faith in Christ and Christ alone. But neither is it found at the bottom of a bottle. Come on, somebody. It's not found in, in people or places or things at all. These are all the areas where the world looks and tells people that we need to find that peace, that we need to find that happiness or that satisfaction. Hey, let's just go to a party. It's, it's spring break week, and there's parties going on all over the place, and I'm not opposed to having a good time. But when that, when that good time comes with a hook in it in terms of your behavior and you're getting drunk and things are, and things are now potentially getting hooked on, uh, uh, people are potentially getting hooked on drugs, then that's a problem. It's an epidemic in our country. America is among the top 10 of of addicts in the world. Addictions in the world is right here in this this country. There is no peace at the end of a bottle. Or they they tell you we need to look to people. If I could just find my person. You ever heard that term before? I heard that term for the first time. If I could just find my person person, then I'll I'll be happy. And they encourage you to go from person to person until you find that person and to sleep around potentially because how how can you know if you're compatible with this person unless you you try everything out? We have this popular TV show called The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Anyone familiar with that? That, that's another way they, 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 they're telling people how to, to find their loved one, how to find their person. They, they, they basically get 30 people together, and they're vying for the attention of one person, and they do whatever it takes to get his or her attention. And then the people are surprised when, when only one person wins, if you want to call it the winning at the end. And there's 29 broken hearts at the end of this little process because everybody was convinced that that one person was their person. Folks, I promise you that makes for great television, but it's a horrible way to meet people. So is going, clubbing, and doing all this other stuff. And so your, your peace is not found in pills. It's not found in people. Neither is it found in places. It's not found in places. If, if we can, people think if we could just travel to the location of our dream and you fill in that blank. It's Jamaica. Yeah, man. Or, or, or it's England or Paris or Italy. And some of us can't afford to go to those places. And so what do we try to do? Uh, let's go to... What are all the football players? But what are you going to do? You won the Super Bowl? We're all going to? You know why? Because it's supposed to be the happiest place on earth. 
who just doubled and tripled their prices. Did you know that you're an adult at 9 and 10 years old? <laughs> you're paying adult prices at 9 or 10 years old? You know how much it cost when I was a kid to go to Disney World? It wasn't $140. And only at Disney World are you an adult at 9 or 10 years old. I'm like, why are they an adult? They're not paying the bills. They didn't drive here. They didn't pay for the gas. They didn't pay for anything. But they're adults at Disney. All for the privilege of standing in lines all day, getting on two rides, and taking a picture with Mickey to post on social media. Who, by the way, I have a, a bone to pick with, with with Disney, considering what's going on in the news. Have you guys been listening? Anybody understand, uh, uh, aware of what's taking place with Disney? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to tell you. They are supposed to be a pro-family, pro-children's group, yet they're vowing to overtone that pro, overturn the pro-family legislation that was just passed, which says that I don't want my children, five, six, seven years old, being sexualized in the classroom by talking about sexual orientation. How many guys want your children, want, want a teacher to be talking to your kids about transgenderism and all this other stuff? Yeah. Just raise your hand. That's, this is not a Republican or a Democrat issue. Nobody wants their five, six. You know what I want my kids to learn in school? Reading, writing, arithmetic. Why do I want them targeted for this nonsense? Well, we just passed a law stating in in, you know, for third, fourth, and fifth, oh, no, for, first through third grade. Don't talk to your kids about this. And Disney stepped up and said, we are going to vow to overturn all that. Don't believe me? Listen to me. It's on the news. Watch this. Sponsor the Florida Parental Rights Bill leaked video show company bosses detailing plans to push a progressive agenda. Take a look here. We brought the fireworks back to the Magic Kingdom. We no longer say, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we say dreamers of all ages. We don't want to just assume because someone might be um, in, in our interpretation, maybe presenting as female, that they may not want to be called princess. Let's bring in Joe Concha, media columnist for The Hill. A couple things here just to set this up a little bit more. Okay. If we could uh, have call for number five. This is the media on the slogan that they want to use. Watch. Right. And I think about if I have a kid, if I'm going to, you know, would I be okay with them not wanting to be able to say the word gay? And now this anti-gay bill, or if you will, you know, you can't say the word gay. And a ban on the word gay? Florida's governor is now facing criticism after the state house passed a law that won't let you say gay. But here's what Governor DeSantis said about all that. They say it's banning a word that literally isn't even in the legislation. It's not even like they're misrepresenting the way the word's used. It's not even used in the bill. It's a, it's a fake narrative. It's a lie. But it's a lie because they have to lie because if they admitted what they were really for, sexualizing kindergartners and first graders, they know that would not fly with the public. All right, Joe, so you wrote a piece called Von DeSantis is Winning the Culture Wars. Mm -hmm. Case here. This is how the media sausage is made, Dana and Bill, okay? As the governor said, nowhere in this bill does it say the word gay. 
yet you have Democratic activists, then lawmakers, pushing as the don't say gay bill. So you would think there would be a media, a, a force field there to say, okay, well, we're not gonna call it that actually, are we? No, it ends up in headlines, it ends up in questions to the governor. It's a, a farcical headline, it's a farcical talking point that is then pushed as gospel. Don't say gay is not in there in any way, shape or form. And if you send anybody out into the street, okay? And I live in New Jersey, which at last check is kind of a blue state. And I have a kindergartner right, at Sycamac Elementary School uh, in North Jersey. And there are plenty of Democratic voters I could find and parents that I talked to. And you ask them, do you think that your kid should be asked or taught, or taught anything about sexual orientation or anything about sex in general, a six-year-old? And almost all, including almost every Democratic parent, would say, no, of course not. So there's one thing about the marketing and labeling of it, don't say gay, and then there's what's actually in the bill. And if you talk to people about point. it... Yeah, it's disagree. a great point. There are entire stories written during this whole debate. Yeah. And major media publications that don't even explain that it was kindergarten through third grade. Mm -hmm. Right. right. That's the that, important thing. That, that, that's the nut of it all. I have an eight-year-old girl as well in second grade. Do I want her being taught that? Meanwhile... We are, according to studies, 25th in the world in math, reading, and science. You know who's number one? China. Ireland's number 11. Australia's 21. We're 25th because we're not focusing on the blocking and tackling that our kids need to succeed. Instead, it's this social experiment now that we're seeing in schools and for Disney, of all things, to get involved in this. Worry about running your company. Worry about making money. Don't worry about orientating our kids. And that appears to be what's happening right now. It does seem, though, that like, Disney must think that it, that it needs to protect its company because its employees, or a portion of the employees, are demanding that they say or do something. They didn't initially. Right. And then Disney did. But even then, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, is saying... You know, pushing back against the largest employer in the state. As he should, because when you look at polls in Florida, even a majority of Floridians support the governor, support the Republican legislator on this, saying this should not be taught in schools. So this is one hell of a hill for Disney to die on. Yeah, um, and on that point, do we have number two, guys? Call for number two. Um, Disney's going to change. All right? Really? Here's how it's going to go. Okay. We have many, many, many LGBTQIA characters in our stories and 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 yet we don't have enough leads um, and narratives in which gay characters just just get to be characters um, and and not have to be about gay stories i wonder how many parents see a soundbite like that and they say you know what Disney is about escapism, about bringing my kids to a place where dreams come true. I wonder if they'll have second thoughts about going there at this point because it's become so political as Hollywood has, as sports has. Joe, thank you. Thank you. Joe Couch, you're watching the media for us. I uh, got some breaking news right now. Quickly, this is happening. Okay, did you catch? They, they had the leaked uh, meeting within the Disney. Did you catch what they said concerning the programming that they're going to be putting out? to target your kids? Did you catch that? This is not made up. This is what they're doing. The Disney of today is not the Disney of when we were kids, the classic kids. As they think it's a great idea to talk to five, six, and seven-year-olds about sexual stuff. If we did that back there, how many would bring, bring your kids back here? 
If your kids came home and said, I learned about this in, in Sunday school today, and it's about, you know, transgenderism and all this other stuff, how many of you would say, okay, we're out of that church? But it's going on every day. That's the reason why we have uh, issues like this, is the reason why we have a, a potential Supreme Court justice who, when she was asked, can you define what a woman is? Her response was, and I quote, no, um, I'm not a biologist. Now, you can Google it. It's a first grade word, woman. <laughs> it, you, it's not that complicated. Do I honestly believe she can't define what a woman is? Of course she can. She doesn't because she doesn't want to offend this movement, in my personal opinion. The homosexual and the transgenders and all this other stuff that are being pushed onto our children. Things, things are getting so messed up. Someone turned in this. They did it as a joke. But it's really not funny. This was outside of a bathroom. Do you see that? Oh, you can't see it. It's a woman. Then it's a half woman, half man. Then it's a man. Then it's a person in a wheelchair. And then it goes down. Then there's a Roman soldier. And then he says, whatever, it is, whatever you are, just wash your hands when you're done. <laughs> Come on, somebody. We got an issue going on in our country we need to wake up to. So it's not found in pills or people or places in terms of peace. But neither is it found in pursuing things. If I just had a few more things, I'd be happy. Newer car, bigger house, more money, more toys. And you know, Jesus weighed in on all of these things when it comes to the things that we are looking for to find peace in our lives. He said in Mark chapter 8, verse 36, he says, what do, you, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but do what? Lose your own soul. Is anything worth more than your soul? Now, a lot of times we read a scripture and we just goes in one ear and out the other. I want you to sit on this for a minute. Think about what he says. What does it matter if you gain? What's the lottery now? Eh? I just heard on the news. It's, uh, some, it's like something like 240 million. I don't know if somebody won it before. But last time I heard it was is up there. So people are going out, doing the numbers, whatever, trying to win that thing. What if you win the lottery? You win 240 million. No, why stop? 500 million. Why stop there? A billion dollars. Jesus actually said, what if you gain the whole world? Now you're sitting on the top. You're the man. You're the woman. What does it matter if you gain the whole world if in the end you lose your soul? You're only here for a brief period of time. The Bible says 70 years, 80 if, if your strength holds out. That's the average. And then the, the scripture makes it clear that we have an eternal soul that's going to live forever somewhere. And so everyone's pouring their baskets into the here and now. Everything, I got to get what I can, can all I get, sit in my can, this is it, as if this is the only thing that's going to matter. Jesus said, if you pour everything in this and you get to the top of that hill, what's it going to matter if in the end you lose your soul? For what can a man give in exchange for his soul? The answer is nothing. Nothing on this earth is worth more than your eternal soul. And so concerning stress and peace, the writer Philippians tells us again where we find it. He says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, don't worry about anything. 
but instead pray about everything and tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds. Help me out, somebody. As you, as you do what? As you live in Christ Jesus. That's a good verse to memorize, especially with what's going on in the world around us. My question to you is, where do you live? Where do you live? And when I say where do you live, I'm not talking about your physical address. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about your, your, you know, your, you know, whatever place you live, whether it's Sunrise or, or, or Hollywood or Fort Lauderdale. I'm talking, about, I'm, I'm talking about your spiritual address. Do you live in Christ Jesus like the text says? It didn't say, do, do you visit, if you visit him twice a year on Easter or Christmas or leading up to it, or show up once a week for two hours on a Sunday, it says the peace comes to those who live in Christ Jesus. Where you live is where you spend most of your time. Write that down. It's, again, it's your residence at home as opposed to a timeshare. It's where, it's where you eat and sleep and relax and hang out. My question is, is Christ your spiritual home? Or is he just a place you visit or a hobby that you pull out every now and then when the moment strikes you like knitting, knitting or needlework and then you're back to doing whatever you're doing? Someone said it like this, home is where your heart is. Home is where your heart is. Where is your heart today? Honestly, where is it? Matthew 6, 19 says, don't stir up, don't store up treasures, Jesus speaking, on, on earth where moth eats them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. One translation says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, whatever you value the most, that's where your heart is going to be. Now, this is not on your outline, but you can write this down somewhere. It's, you can also add wherever you spend most of your resources. So it's not even just your calendar that determines where your heart is. It's your checkbook that determines where your heart is as well. Your bank statement will determine where your heart is. If most of your time and your resources is going to other things, other than on the things of the Lord at all, and out of your mouth, you're saying, yes, Jesus is my number one. Does your calendar and your resources say that? Colossians 3 says this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, watch this, set your sights on the realities of heaven. One translation says, set your sights on the things above, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Why? For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you, having nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, 
worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, it says the anger of God is coming. Verse 7, very key. It says, you used to do these things. My question this morning is, are these things that he listed part of your used to do's? Or is it part of your still do's? Think about it just for a moment. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior and slander and dirty language. Don't lie each other for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Is Christ all that matters in your life? And is he living in you? Or better question, are you living in him? Are you just visiting from time to time? Jesus told this interesting story. He said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, he says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. He's like a person who builds a house on solid rock. And though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey it is what? Is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the rains and floods come, not if, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. May not be today or tomorrow, but it is eventually going to collapse. Now, if that's not a picture of diamond people versus those, versus those who end up as dust, I don't know what is. Because in Jesus' parable, the story, the torrential rains, the floods, and the winds that beat against the house, that's the stresses of life. That's called the medical issues and the financial problems that come our way. That's the political unrest in this world and inflation and marital problems and problems with our family and issues at our job. That's the problems of the world and, and the fact that there are wars and rumors of wars, these are all stressors that hit every single one of us and beat against our spiritual and mental houses on a daily basis. But Jesus said there are two houses that are out there. One of those houses takes a licking and keeps on ticking. The other house collapses under the pressures that's brought against it. One of those uh, people Jesus called wise and one of them he called a foolish but what was the difference I want you to write this down the wise builder heard the words of Christ and he put them into practice the foolish builder they also heard the words of Christ and ignored them and continued to go about their life doing their own thing and as a result when those pressures of life came in on them. It collapsed. The words of Christ are the rock-solid ground we had to build our lives on, and 
Everything else is just shifting sand that will result in a crash and everything you value turning to dust over time. The key to receiving the blessings from God, anybody want to walk, walk in blessings from God? The key to receiving the blessings from God is obedience and trust in Christ. You'll find that theme all throughout the scriptures. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 5. He says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. And because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Watch this. And we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Here we go again. Why? For we know that they help us to develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came and at just the right time, he died for sinners. Amen? And so folks, he lays out a scenario and he makes the choice ours. He says we can either be foolish or we can be wise. We can live our lives as a mess or we can allow the indwelling Holy Spirit to permeate and become a part of our daily lives to turn our lives into a message, no, even a masterpiece. Our lives can result in becoming dust because of the pressures that are coming against us or we can allow that if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that when these things come into us, it's just going to make us stronger and we become diamonds in the Lord. Amen? You can walk around totally stressed out if you want to. Or you can take your position in Jesus and receive the blessings and walk in the blessings that it has for us. But the key is putting your faith and trust in him and as he speaks to us to different, in, area, in different areas of our lives, we say, yes, Lord, I'm going to submit to doing things your way as it relates to my relationships, as it relates to my job, as it relates to my response when somebody cuts me off in traffic, as it relates to the people around me. I'm going to take your words and put them in practice and the scripture says, to that extent, you become somebody who's walking and, and operating and on solid ground. Does that make sense? But the choice is ours. So my question to you is, how about you today? Have you made that decision to go all in for Jesus, to allow him to permeate your life, to put your trust completely in him as opposed to to live in him as opposed to I'm setting up visitations like I visit Disney or I visit another place. The visitation method, there's no promise of a blessing with the visitation method. There's no promise of him actually working things out. It's the person 
who lives in Christ, who resides there, who says, okay, Lord, you're going to be my priority. Listen, come hell or high water. Because hell and high water do come our ways. I don't know anyone that's without stress in this life. Every single person I know. But the scripture says we, we because of our position in Jesus, have the opportunity that when these troubles come our way, to count it all joy. Because those troubles have the ability to build our endurance and to make us stronger and to make us in, uh, uh, mature in the things of the Lord, needing nothing. Does that make sense? But it all starts with placing our faith, not in faith, but placing our faith in Jesus Christ. If you've not yet done that, it'd be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him and asking him to be your numero uno, your priority in your life so that you can trust him completely for your salvation and for walking through this life on the daily. So everyone bow our heads and close our eyes. Say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today. Say it out loud. I come before you today. I acknowledge my need for a Savior. Lord, I thank you for making provision for me that when I go through troubles, I'm not going to turn to dust but it's going to make me strong because I'm going to take what you say and put it into practice. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to be done with the old life and to put on the new creation that you speak of and to walk in the newness that you provided, that you purchased through your Son, Jesus Christ. Fill me with your Spirit. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your love and your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said, amen and amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.